Welcome again to Grace Church. So glad to be here with everybody today. My name is Marcus Dolphins. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church, and it's my privilege to get to speak this morning. Uh, normally, I have the opportunity to preach when our pastors, who are also my parents, Mark and Janie, are out of town or unable to speak. But today, I have the unique possibility, opportunity to preach with them on the front row. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Give it up for your pastors. Don't you appreciate Pastor Mark and Janie? Thank you so much. And the worship team, amazing. So we're in the middle of our series, uh, part two of the second week of the, this new year, 2020, Happy New Year, um, about vision and about this new year and a fresh start. I love New Year's. I love New Year's resolutions and just kind of getting that blank canvas to say, all right, it's a, the old year is gone and the new year is here. And today I want to talk about vision but the vision that God has for you. Um, I want to be clear, though, right at the front, I'm not talking about creating a New Year's resolution or a goal that you would just create that may or may not happen at the end of the year when you look back, okay? Uh, some people really are into New Year's resolutions. I love them personally. Other people say, no, that's, that's, that's not for me. That's nothing. I don't want anything to do with that. Okay, so I don't care, you know, if you are or you are against the resolutions, Okay. What I believe is that God has a vision for your life. Now, you can use resolutions or goals or whatever it is to help get you there. But the idea is that I want you to see the vision that God has for you before this message is over. Okay? And I want you to grasp that and then do whatever you can do to press forward towards that vision. Amen? So speaking of vision, when I was a kid, I remember uh, at school and at the doctor's office and different places getting my, uh, getting my vision checked. I was, uh, you know, reading the eye charts and doing the whole thing. And um, at the end of each one, I would always hear the doctor or the person say, uh, congratulations, you have 20-20 vision. Like it was an award or something. I was so proud of my vision. And um, uh, I remember one or two doctors actually told me that I had uh, 2015 vision, which was even better than 2020 vision. I didn't know, you know, you could be better than, but I, I didn't know what 2015, so 2020 vision means this, that from 20 feet away, I can see what a normal person can see from 20 feet away. That's just what 2020 means. But um, 2015 here, I thought it meant like 2015, like one eye is 20 and that's perfect. And the other eye is 15 and that's like, more than perfect. Like, in one of my eyes, I had, like, a special superpower. Like, I can see even farther and clearer with this eye. Apparently, that's not what that means. <laughs> eye doctor's laughing at me. Uh, <laughs> so, apparently, it means from 20 feet away, I can see what a normal person could see from 15 feet away. So, I have, like, a sharper, a little clearer. All right. So, a few months ago, just for the sake of fashion, I was standing in the lobby, and I tried on somebody else's glasses. And I just wanted to see what those glasses would look like. And I look down the street, out the window, you know, out the doors, and there's a stop sign. And I had no idea that from our lobby, you can crystal clear just read the word stop on that sign. I just thought it was blurry, and it was too far. I mean, if I have superhuman vision, how could anybody see the word stop right there? I took the glasses off, and it was blurry. And I put the glasses back on, and it was crystal clear. And I realized that over the course of my life and aging, getting up there now, 
I, my, my vision is deteriorating. And so, um, I mean, furthermore, I remember last year when Sayla was at her birthday party, she got these fake little binoculars. They weren't real binoculars. Um, I put them on and nothing was like enlarged. Typically, binoculars make things larger, you know. But it did make things clearer. So I was looking through the backyard and there the, I could see flowers and leaves on the trees. And I thought, this whole time, I thought I had perfect vision. And now I realize I'm walking around and everything's blurry. Um, I still haven't gotten my vision checked. I'm in denial. <laughs> so we'll just see what happens. But think about this. What about vision? And I'm not talking about eyesight right now. But the vision that we have in our life. What if God has a crystal clear path and a vision for you? He has a place, a destination that he wants you to go. And the whole while, we just kind of think we know where God wants us to go. We just kind of assume that we know what God's plan is and path is for our life. But when we put on corrective lenses, then we can actually see what it is that God wants us to do. We can see the way God sees us. I believe that God, um, what I heard God saying for each one of us this morning when I was sitting over here during first service, I, I felt God saying that if you could see yourself the way that God sees you, that you would change so much, even just about the way that you feel and what you felt you were able to do. If you had the same, if you had the vision for your life that God has for your life, that you might have more confidence, that you might step out and do something that you were otherwise afraid to do, and you would actually have that faith to walk. And that's where I want us to get today. I want us to see the vision. God spoke to the prophet Habakkuk, or you might say Habakkuk, uh, in uh, Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, and he says this, Write down the vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so that one may easily read it, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the vision that you've given to us. Thank you for your word, your anointed word of God. Lord, I ask that you would speak directly to us. God, that you'd use my voice and my words this morning, but Holy Spirit, that you would speak directly through me to each person here today, and that you would allow us to see ourselves the way you see us, that we would see the vision that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm a little bit tired of the enemy coming in and using things like depression and hopelessness and despair that take root in our lives and begin to tell these really good people, people in our church, that they are hopeless and that they are worthless and that there is no future. Am I the only one that's a little bit tired of the enemy who wants to come in and rob the joy that we have? Amen. Because sometimes people walk through this life and they think, oh, if I only had that, or if I only had that, then I could do something. But they say, you know, I'm just living in, in, in desperation. I'm living in despair. I'm living. I don't believe that I really have a hope or a future for my life. But the word of God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has plans for a hope and a future for your life. He said before you were born, he knew you. Before he formed you in, his mother's, in your mother's womb, he had a plan for your life. God even says that you are his workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. God has an assignment for your life. 
He says that this is what I want you to do. And it's up to us just to put on those corrective lenses and say, all right, now I'm going to walk forward and I'm going to see what it is uh, that God has for my life. He does love you. He does. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. God does love you. And he does have a plan for you. He wants you to do those good works that he's called you to do. Amen? So we can look at the, what God told Habakkuk, and we can learn a little bit from that. He said to write down the vision. He says, clearly inscribe it. I believe that being specific allows us to have measurable goals. That's the first point I want to make, is that when you're, making these, uh, when you're making this vision for your life, when you're hearing from God and you're saying, God, what is the vision that you have for me? When you're reaching those goals and you're trying to make that vision, have a measurable goal. Be specific. Have you ever had good intentions towards something. You said, man, this year is going to be my year. New year, new me. I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do. And you have these goals like, yeah, I want to exercise more. And then at the end of the year, you step on the scale and you realize that maybe you didn't exercise more. <laughs> okay? Or you do something like, for instance, like when I'm make, making these specific goals, here's an example. Rather than say, I want to exercise more, or I want to be physically healthy, say, I want to, this is just an example, exercise for 20 minutes a day, three times a week. At the end of the week, you could look back and know whether or not you met that goal, right? If you just say, I want to exercise more, and you, you walk a little bit here, and you do a jazzercise there, you go to CrossFit there, and you know, maybe that's good, and then the next week you do a little bit here, there you do... You don't really know. But if you say, I'm going to mark it down and write it down, that's what God told Habakkuk. He says, write it down and make it clear. This is something you can pray about and say, God, what is the goal that you have for my life? And then write it down. So rather than say, yeah, I want to read the Bible more, I think that's a good goal. If your vision for your life is to be uh, spiritually healthier this year, you say, I want to be a healthy spiritual person. Maybe you're struggling with some things or maybe you feel down. You say, you know what, spiritually, I just want to, I want to boost. I want to get charged up. Then rather than say, you know, I want to read the Bible more, say, I want to read the Bible every single, every single day. Might be one verse a day that pops up on the Bible app. I have the version Bible app, and it just gives me a verse of the day. If that's all you do is just read that, and you meditate on it, and you pray, and you ask God, what does this mean for my life? What, how do I relate this? Then that's your goal, you know? But if, it's, if you're already doing that, you say, I want to read a chapter a day. Or I want to read the whole Bible this year. Now, you can wait till December and then read the whole Bible in a year <laughs> if you want to. But the idea is growing healthy in a spiritual way. To say, all right, how, even if it's one verse a day, I think it's probably better than just reading the whole Bible in December so you can say that you read the Bible in a year. You know, just to say, am I growing healthy in a spiritual way? And then to do that. I joked in first service, I just like to read the whole Bible in January so that I can just be done with it and then not have to worry about it until next year. But that was a joke. <laughs> but I do like to read the whole Bible in January, but then I, then I can examine the rest of it slower as I walk through the rest of the year. I don't feel obligated. But the idea is to not do this out of pressure because somebody on the platform is telling you to read the Bible. You know, if you want to grow spiritually. Or rather than say, I want to pray more. Uh, maybe you make a measurable goal, something that you can write down today on your paper or you pull out your phone and write a little note in your paper, in your, in your notebook on your phone and say, what is the measurable goal? I challenge you to examine last year without any kind of shame or condemnation and just say, if your vision 
is to grow spiritually and you want to pray more as a, as a goal to help you get there, examine last year and say, how often did I pray? Did you pray on a weekly basis? Maybe this year you could pray on a daily basis. I'm not saying you have to pray for an hour every single day. Praise God if you do, and I know there are several in here that do. But what if you just said, I want to pray, you know, I'm praying five minutes a day. What if you prayed for five minutes again at nighttime? You know, you pray the five minutes in the morning, the five minutes at night. It's whatever God is challenging you to do. It's the, it's the vision that God has, not me. I'm just trying to spur you along and, and, and ask you to write some measurable goals down, something that you can say, all right, I'm going to take this with me, and at the end of the month, I can know, hey, I read, I read that book, or I read that, uh, you know, fulfilled that time slot at the gym or whatever it is. Uh, I'm currently working on a project where last year I was supposed to send, just in the last two months of last year, I was supposed to send a thousand emails to a thousand different pastors that I'd never contacted before. And if I were to do that, then I would get a bonus for my job, and this is for my other job, not Grace Church, although if you want to create that incentive, I'm open to that. I, I'm open to that. I'll do that. Um, <laughs> I get to the end of the year, a couple days left, and I realized that this tracking software that I had for all of my emails wasn't really doing a good job. It wasn't separating the number of pastors. It was just sending how many emails I sent, which was kind of useless because I didn't get, could send Pastor Mark five emails and I'm not going to get any money for that. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't write it down. I didn't write it down. And so I said, I, I, so on December 31st, I was like sending out emails. I was in the car, I had my little hot spot on, and I was sending out emails, driving and going. I, mean, I wasn't driving while sending out the emails. Charity was driving. My point is, I had to write it down. And I made my bonus, praise God. But this year, with a similar incentive, I'm writing it down. Every time I send an email, I go into my little notebook, and I'm, I'm writing it down. I sent that email, and I'm going to try to get my little bonus. So I challenge you to write it down. Challenge you to say, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to have it measurable. And then you can actually know if you made it or if you didn't make it. Uh, the second point today is, uh, comes from that part of the verse that says, so that one may easily read it. Write it down so that others can see it for the sake of accountability. This is being responsible. Responsible to somebody else to say, you know what? I'm not doing this alone. You know, if you include others in on that vision for your life, you are way more likely to succeed and to see the vision that God has for you. I remember preaching in Iowa at the church that uh, our family moved here from, and I was preaching about having a Bowflex body, okay? <laughs> Do you remember Bowflexes? I don't know if anybody has a Bowflex. Any, any Bowflex owners in here? Okay, great. So both of you. Um, <laughs> You know, the best use of a Bowflex is, is for all of those uh, wet clothes that you don't want to go in the dryer. You put each one little has a little spot for the rod. Am I right? It's so good for that. That's all it's good for. Um, it's really not good for anything else. But anyway, as I was preaching, I was just mentioning how I bought this new piece of exercise equipment, but I didn't want to use it. It was up in the laundry room, and I was all alone, and I'm a social person. And one of the guys listening was, um, he had just returned from Afghanistan, and he was kind of like a bodybuilder, you know? And all he did in Afghanistan was protect our country and work out, like, hard. <laughs> and he said, Marcus, you can come to the armory, because he was in the army. He said, you can come by any day you want. I'm working out. 
uh, five days a week. And I was like, oh, is that all? Because he, <laughs> he looks like he's working out like 10 times a week. And so Terry and I worked out four or five days a week, every single week, until I left Iowa to move here. It was so much better because I had accountability. I had somebody to work out with. And I know that you're wondering, yes, for the record, I have worked out since I've moved to North Carolina, <laughs> but just not as regularly because I lacked that accountability a little bit. But, but my point is, find someone to go with you. If your vision is to become physically healthier this year, and God is challenging you maybe to, to quit a bad habit, like coming, you know, eating all the Krispy Kreme donuts at Grace Church, or, <laughs> you know, one, one's not going to kill you, but, you know, one every day, that might. But, <laughs> well, maybe it's to quit smoking or something. If you have somebody that's going to help you along with that journey, then you are so much more likely to succeed. Look at what Ecclesiastes said in uh, chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. So if you have your smoking accountability partner and then you realize you've gone several days without smoking and you're feeling great, but then you, 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 know, you, you, you quit your goal and you kind of fall back and it feels like you fell in that pit, well, this person can help you overcome that Shame and say, you know what? Don't worry about that. It's okay. You know, most people that quit smoking have tried multiple times to quit smoking. So you get your people that, around you that are going to help you to overcome that so that you can keep on going. And again, I'm not trying to make any kind of like theological statements or anything. I'm just saying, hey, if that's your vision that God's given you, so I want to press through this. I want to kick that bad habit or I want to start a good habit. Put some people around you that can help you, role models and coaches, people like uh, physical trainers or mentors, or even just friends, friends that can just help you and hear you out. But as you choose who you're putting around yourself, I want you to choose wisely because Harvard University did a study, and they said the people you habitually associate with determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. Wow. Wow. So I'm not saying to disown anybody in your life that's bringing you down, especially if they're your family or your coworkers. But I am saying, if you want to be spiritually minded this year, and you're saying, I want to walk in victory, I want to walk in peace, I'm tired of living with such a negative attitude, I want to have a positive attitude, and I want to focus on the things of God and really grow spiritually, then I encourage you to surround yourself with people that are going to help you do that. You know, grab a small group roster on the way out at the info booth, and, and you'll have a small group leader and a whole group of men or women or both that are going to help you through this journey. They're going to help pray for you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to walk with you. They're going to help keep you accountable in these areas that you're asking them to help keep you accountable. Amen? I really believe that God wants you to live a healthy life. So I want to apply some of these things in thinking about the healthy life that God wants you to have. I, I was thinking about John 10, 10. In the NIV, it says, the thief, that's Satan, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the Amplified Version says, and enjoys life to the full, till it overflows. I'm not trying to stand up here and just tell you to live your best life now and have a self-help program that's going to help you overcome this or that. I'm saying that Jesus wants you to have an abundant life. This is God. God wants you to overcome the sin in your life. 
This is not, you know, a talk show kind of thing. This is straight from the word of God that says you can live more abundantly. You don't have to be the tail. You can be the head. You don't have to be the victim. You can be the victor in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And I like what the message version adds. It says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Wouldn't that be amazing if you had more and better life than you've ever dreamed of? I don't know if I'm the only one here that sometimes you wake up and you're like, man, is this it? I'm not really happy with where I'm at right now. I mean, I'm not like that every day. You know, like lately I've been, I've been getting up and even yesterday and the day before I got up early, I've been driving to Charlotte for work a lot lately and uh, leaving before the sun is up. And it's really cool. Like I walk outside and it's kind of, has that almost feels like winter, you know, like, <laughs> so warm lately, and I smile, and I've got my, my Yeti coffee tumbler in my hand, which just makes me feel a little bit cool, you know, and I'm like, it was a gift, but it was really cool, and I've got my black coffee in there, which is nasty, because it was stupid fast, sorry, <laughs> but black coffee is just gross, I love this fast, I'm gonna keep doing it even after the 21 days, um, but I've got it, and I'm driving to Charlotte just sipping my bitter black coffee. And, but I'm just loving life. And I'm like, I love my life, and I love my job, you know? But it doesn't always feel that way. I hope that you feel that way. But sometimes when both of my kids are screaming at the same time, and my little two-year-old is just so entitled sometimes, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, God, is this, is this it? Is this, this is tough, you know? Um, but, but Jesus says that we can have more and better life than we've ever dreamed of. To really appreciate those moments, whether it's driving to work before the sun comes up or if it's, you know, being with your children even if they're not behaving perfectly. We can have that life. And so there are several areas that I want you to catch a vision for. Uh, a friend of our family, Dr. Glenn Reynolds, was getting his dissertation, and he decided to write on vision. And he told me vision is, and if you're writing notes, You'll want to write this one down. Vision is the ability to see. Okay? That's what vision is. <laughs> you don't need a PhD to know that vision is the ability to see. And when he said that, he was saying it jokingly. And it's, but it's really the ability to see, you know, like to even close your eyes and to see something, to imagine your life. You know, like, I was thinking about the prophet Ezekiel. God gave him a vision. He said, son of man, can these dry bones live? He's talking about the nation of Israel who is spiritually dead. And Ezekiel said, God, you alone know if these bones can live. And God gave Ezekiel a vision of dry bones coming to life. And I was thinking about that. You know, our, our church, Grace Church, has a vision to see another campus downtown, another life-giving campus. And I was down there last week, because I go down there occasionally for different reasons. I use the basement to store things for a different ministry of the church. And I was walking around the upstairs, and it was really cool, because you kind of saw the bones of the church. Uh, it's two by fours, you know, a bunch of wood and some, a little bit of drywall, and the old floor has been ripped up, and it's already looking better, and there's a platform, you know. There's, I don't think there's plywood on there. There's no carpet or anything, but it's kind of the bones, you know, and, and kind of hearing God say, can these bones live? And I, I was able to, I was all by myself, and most of the lights were turned off, but I was able to see. I had vision. I could see people coming in the doors, and they were lonely people, that were being filled with a community 
to do life with. People who were depressed that were coming in, but they were finding joy. People who were finding hope that were otherwise hopeless, but because they've come and they found Jesus Christ. I was able to see with my eyes a vision of people crying at the altar that were becoming delivered uh, of sin in their life and people that said yes to Jesus Christ and surrendering to him. Hands up, just another place in this city where people could glorify God and worship his name. I was able to see that with the vision. Wasn't that kind of cool? I want you to see this vision for your life. And I want you to write it down. I want you to be able to, if not with your eyes, with your heart and your spirit, to see a vision and to imagine what it is. Imagine yourself if you're growing spiritually is one of your goals. Where are you going to sit tomorrow morning when you wake up? I have a little love seat that I like to sit in, and it has a big window that overlooks my backyard. And I like to get coffee, usually with creamer in it and sugar, <laughs> and, and sit there and read my Bible and pray and meditate on what the Bible is saying, what God is speaking to me. And now if you don't have that, just take a moment, take a deep breath, and just imagine, envision, what does that look like for you? Is there a, a, a recliner that you have that you want to sit in? Is there a park you want to walk through? You know, if you like to walk and pray. I want to give you about five different areas of vision. Okay, five different areas. And you might have a vision. God might give you a vision for each one of these areas. Or he might give you a vision for just one of these areas. But the important thing is allow God to speak to you today about what's happening here and uh, the first area is spiritual. Put that number one, because I think that's really important. Galatians 5 says to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. What's your vision? And what are the goals that you're going to help to make get to that vision? Whether it's, you know, operating in the fruit of the spirit. I think as we have the fruit of the spirit, we're going to be healthier spiritually. Christian disciplines like prayer, Bible reading, fasting, giving, walking in freedom, having those gifts of the spirit. I want to encourage you, though, if, if you're trying to live in freedom and there's something that's kind of bothering you and you keep on failing, Proverbs 24, 16 says, Though a righteous person falls seven times, he will get up, but the wicked will stumble into ruin. And so it doesn't matter. I mean, sure, it kind of sort of matters if you fall and fail, but what really matters is, are you going to get back up? Are you going to keep on going? Are you going to call your accountability partner, your mentor, your friend, and say, hey, you know what? I might have fallen seven times, but I'm going to get up seven times. Amen. I might be getting down, but I'm going to get back up in Jesus' name. You know, talking about all of these uh, different goals that we have, I'm not, I, I say goal, but what I really mean to say is vision. Because you can achieve or you can unachieve a goal, but whether or not you make it and you say, yeah, I, I went to the gym three times or I, I read my Bible all the way through this year. The vision is, I'm going to be spiritually healthy. Okay, so don't lose sight. If I say the word goal, what I mean to say is this vision that God has for me. And I'm going to pursue it with my whole heart. Another area is with your relationships and your family, with your friends or your spouse, with your kids. I encourage you to get some mentors, uh, some role models. Don't even have to be people that you know, but uh, my wife, Charity, she likes to listen to the Jimmy Evans uh, preacher in Texas. He's, he has the Marriage Today podcast and TV show. I like to listen to Focus on the Family on the radio. Just different people that are going to help me. Um, of course, our pastor and your, your, your own parents, if they're good role models for you. But people, even people in programs that you, you're not familiar with. And allow these people to help encourage you to, to go on date nights. 
with your significant other or to spend one-on-one time with your children. Allow God to speak to you and figure out what that vision is for your family and for your relationships. I even want you to have business and financial goals. Um, for this year. You know, maybe you are tired of living paycheck to paycheck and you're maybe overspending in this area and underspending over here. Have a vision for your life. What does it look like? Imagine coming to church next Sunday. Maybe you get paid on Friday and you're walking in here. Imagine uh, putting your uh, debit card into the uh, giving kiosk and actually giving 10%. What if you've never done that before? Uh, Praise God for all those that give. But what if you've never actually tithed? You could do that this year, and you will be blessed. Let me trust you. Trust me in this, because if you put God first in your life, he's going to take care of all the rest of your needs and your worries and your finances, and you will not be lacking for anything. And I know that from experience, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody that doesn't tithe. I'm just saying, what if your goal is to be more generous this year? And imagine what does that look like? Imagine giving to a missionary or giving to, to a nonprofit or giving here to this church. Um, even finding uh, uh, invest- people to help you with investments. Or uh, I like Dave Ramsey as one of my mentors. When it com- he, I don't know him, but I've read several of his books and I've uh, been through Financial Peace University. Imagine having a vision of having financial peace this year where you're not worried about where your next meal is going to come from. You're not worried about those things. Did you know that, I don't, I don't know the statistic anymore. I've forgotten what it was, but so many Americans don't have even emergency funds set aside of even $1,000 to say, okay, if I had an emergency, I could pay this deductible or I could pay that thing. What if your goal was just to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save up $1,000, you know, and I'm not going to spend that on anything. People will be like, I got $1,000, I'm buying a new whatever. Xbox, is that still cool? Um, do these cost $1,000? Probably not. I don't play video games anymore. <laughs> Charity took it away. Just kidding. Somebody stole it. <laughs> Somebody stole my Xbox. I don't know that it was charity. It could have been. But <laughs> that'd be mean if it was. But um, not to spend that money on something, but to save it, okay? And to, and to pay off debt. Get out of credit card debt. Have a vision for your life that says, I have, I'm investing, you know, in my future, in my retirement financially. And in the last area, and this is not least important or anything, but I'm just saying it's the last area, is your, is your mental and physical health. Mental health is a real thing. It's really important. And um, I was watching a movie a while back about Bruce Willis, Okay, you know Bruce Willis. I can't remember the name of the movie, but he is like a tough guy. Yes, right, man? <laughs> Ooh. And uh, Bruce Willis, you know, he reminds me of uh, Pastor Mark. And I don't, am I the only one that he kind of reminds me of Pastor Mark? And he's, maybe it's the hair, I don't know, but, uh, or the, the muscular build. That's, and it's just, or was it the attitude? Kind of like, I can do anything. Get, don't, don't get in my way. Um, in a good way. And I think that's a healthy view of a son to have of his father, is Bruce Willis, right? Uh, <laughs> Wesley, you probably have that with your dad. <laughs> kind of like, um, and Bruce Willis went and he saved the day and he like defeated the superhuman like foe or whatever was happening in this movie. And then he calls into work and he says, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. I'm going to be taking a mental health day. <laughs> like, what? Bruce Willis doesn't need a mental health day. He's Bruce Willis. He's amazing, right? The truth is, if Bruce Willis needs a mental health day, <laughs> of course, that's, if Jesus needs a mental health day, I remember in the scriptures after Jesus feeds the multitude and uh, his cousin, 
whom he loved, John the Baptist, had just, been, had just passed away, just died, he was beheaded. Jesus takes some time, and he, he, he gets away from the crowd. Jesus needed a mental health day. You know, to, to, to build time in our schedules, whether it's first thing in the morning or in the middle of the day, just to say, you know what, I'm going I'm to take care of myself. So many of us are living in stress and anxiety and depression. I feel like we should make that a priority. Uh, and also physical, which I mentioned earlier. Just saying, what is the vision that I have for my life? Rick Warren said that vision is seeing in others what others can't see. And you can see today if, what God sees in you. If you just ask him, what is God seeing in you? Uh, can the worship team come at this time? I want us just to be mindful to see what God is seeing. We played a game at Christmas time. I don't know the name of the game, but you kind of roll the dice and it told you what kind of glasses to wear. You put these glasses on, they had these huge lenses. You couldn't hardly see, and you have to draw an image, you know, and you couldn't see. And then you roll the dice again, and then you, now you have to put different lenses in. And these ones made it even more difficult to see because the thing was all off. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we walk through life with kind of difficult, different lenses on. Uh, for some of us, that lens is shame. And we think, I'm not good enough. And I, couldn't, I could never be physically fit. I could never have a, a strong prayer life because that's just not who I am. I'm ashamed of the things I've done. I'm ashamed of my past. Sometimes we put those lenses on, like in that board game we were playing. And, and we, we kind of think about ourselves and we think, you know what? I have a lens of pride. I know I struggle with pride. I struggle with shame, all of it, you know. But I have that lens of pride, and I think, I can't do that because I'm better than that. But today God is saying, take those lenses off, whether it's pride, whether it's self-pity, whether it's fear. You might be wearing a lens today of shame that says you're not good enough, and you can't see yourself the way that God sees you. But today, I want you to see yourself, not walking around without any corrective lenses on, just totally walking through blurry life like I am right now, but to say, God, I'm going to put these corrective lenses on. I'm going to put your vision on for my life. And when that happens, it becomes crystal clear, and you can see, wow, I'm going to press on for this, because that is what God has for me. And you begin to believe, and you begin to have faith knowing that you can do this thing. One more time I want to reiterate, this is not self-help. This is what God's plan is for your life. Proverbs 3 says, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So today for this year when we go into 2020, I want us to think, God, what is your path for my life? Daniel in chapter 10, the prophet Daniel received this word from the Lord. He said, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Can anybody relate to that part? <laughs> right? 21 days, fast, three weeks. In verse 7, it says, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. I wanted to read that to encourage those of you that are fasting but not at all to discourage anyone who's not fasting, but just to say, God has a vision for your life. And he wants to reveal that to you now. Could you, 
you maybe put your pen down or put your phone down for a moment. Close your eyes and if you feel like bowing your head. And I want you to ask God, what is the one thing this year that you want me to see that I can't see? Maybe things are blurry in your relationships. Maybe things are really blurry in your finances. Maybe spiritually, there's just, you've got this, the wrong lenses on and you can't see anything at all. It's just awful. But today, I believe that God can give you a vision for your life so that you can see yourself the way He sees you. God, I ask that you would speak to each one of us, that you would open our eyes. And like my mom said, open the eyes of our heart so that we can have understanding, so that we can see ourselves the way you see us, as overcomers, as spiritually healthy, having a heart after God. Lord, this is not to give us a huge to-do list of all kinds of things that we need to do to improve every area of our life. But God, I'm asking that you would show us the one thing today that, about ourselves that we can't see and that you would help us to do whatever it is possible to pursue that vision for our life. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we worship one more song today?
give it up for Jesus this morning. Amen. Praise God. Can you give Marcus a hand of appreciation for that good work today? Thank you, Marcus. Praise God. Wow. That was good. I like the, the combination of two, the word that we got in this last song that we sang, that we fixed our eyes, and we asked the Lord to fix our eyes, then he has you. He's got you. Not only does he have it, he's got you. And if we place our faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what we go through. But I take it as a word that today, go home, pray, seek the scriptures, ask the Lord, where's my vision for 2020? Pick out one of the five things. If you can't do all five, pick out one about your health or your your spirituality, your finances. Lord, help me in this area. Give me a vision for 2020. And then hang on to it. If it comes from God, it'll come through you for God. Amen. And you'll get all the glory, honor, and praise, and thanksgiving. I need you to do something for me today, Grace Church. Like I mentioned earlier, we had three people in our service that had uh, a relative or a friend die. We had good friends in the first service who had a great friend who has visited our church a couple times, uh, get shot to death Thursday morning. We have a young person in our church who lost her mother, uh, our father, I'm sorry, just the other day and led him to the Lord the same day. So that's a huge win. And then we have a member of our congregation right here who lost her husband. I want to take an offering for the young lady who lost her husband uh, on the way out, our compassion offering, so that we can help her with the funeral. So if you have you know, any change, five, ten, a check, you want to go to the kiosk and just write compassion. If you have anything you can give, I'd like to help Grace Church to help pay for uh, the funeral of one of our own. Can we do that? How many thinks that's a good idea? And that's a that's a good thing, right? That's that's a good use of resources. So let me pray for you and those three families today. And I want you to come back on Wednesday or through the week for a prayer. Come back Wednesday night for prayer and fasting. And yes, it's hard to fast. It's difficult to fast. And yes, the enemy will rise up against you as you do fast. But God's got a vision for your heart. God's got a vision for your future. He's got a plan. And Paul said he knows the end from the beginning. And he calls you complete, even if we don't feel it just yet. Father, we thank you today. We love you. We bless you. Lord, I pray for the families that have deaths in their families uh, this week. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you bring them peace, you bring them comfort. Father, Lord, you be with them, you stand with them, and let Grace Church stand with them as well. I pray, Lord, for our congregation. I pray, Lord, that, that there be any here that are sick. Lord, Father, that they would be healed in Jesus' name. God, physical or spiritual, even financial or relational. I pray, Lord, those that are going through trying times, even as we speak, in the middle of a fast. Father, I pray there be breakthrough at the end of those 21 days. I pray, Father, for victory in Christ Jesus. Lord, and help us, Lord, like Marcus said, help us to see ourselves as you see us, victorious in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord one more shout of praise. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you this week. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.